0: Father, um, help me to teach today. I pray that there'd be power in it, unhindered, unobstructed, seen, felt, Not in the instrument, of course, which is particularly weak, but in, in the power of your word, spoken by your Spirit. Father, once again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have his way and have your way in each of us and among all of us for your glory and for the edification of your people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. After Judas Iscariot's uh, terrible betrayal, uh, the remaining inner circle of, um, of Christ's followers, they... They, they were going to choose a a, uh, a replacement for Judas. Uh, we read of it in Acts chapter one. We're going we're going to be skipping around a lot today, so there's a lot of scriptures. Uh, I think Wayne, did we get those up? Pardon me? Oh, well, only the first two. Okay, all right. So I'll, I'll be reading. I'll be reading a lot of, of verses today. Then, but in Acts chapter one, verse twenty-one. So one of the men, so one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So they saw. My point there is that they saw no greater possible qualification for uh, than to have been with Jesus just to have been among those who were you know who saw him and talked to him and were with him and stayed with him and you know ate with him and traveled with him and prayed with him and they saw they, they saw no other other uh, qualification than that. Uh and what a and really when you think about it, what a privilege that would have been. What, what, wouldn't that have been something? To be to be there and just be in that inner circle and just be there all the time and hear the tone of Jesus' voice and you know hear and just see how He uh how he dealt with things and how he lived and just just to be with Him over those over those uh few short years. I mean certainly the disciples they saw uh, you know, they saw the value of just they they saw the Mary part, you know Mary and Martha, you know the uh, they saw the Mary part just sitting at the feet of Jesus. They saw the value in that, right? Not just doing all the Martha things, but to, but to take the greater part of just being with Jesus. And how and how counterintuitive it must have been for these same disciples to have heard Jesus say, before his, before his death, as he's preparing them for that, it is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine? It is to your advantage that I go away. It's in, it's in John, John 16. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus speaking, of course, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the helper, of course, is the paraclete, one called alongside. It's the Holy Spirit. And you think, well, I mean, can you imagine hearing that? how could that be to how could that possibly be to our advantage how could that how could that work for Jesus not to be here and that's and that's better for us you know e- even though you know, the father sends the Holy Spirit how, how could that be to our advantage and you know here we could go we could start jump into a list you know of a, of a, a whole bunch of things looking through the scriptures and trying to find everything that the Holy Spirit does and uh, but I, and you, you could arrange that, organize that in different ways, I suppose. But I want to just look at at four things, four things that really where you can kind of begin to see where this could possibly be true. It is your to your advantage that I go away, because if I go away, alas, the Father He'll send the Holy Spirit. Uh, what is what the Holy Spirit does, and some of it we've talked about. It's amazing how sometimes the worship. The song part of the service fits in with what's said later. Um, sometimes it's by design, but sometimes it's gloriously not of our design. It's, but it's the design of the Spirit himself. But the, uh, and we've talked about this some today, although we haven't used the word. Uh, th- th- this first work of the Holy Spirit I want to think about is regeneration, regeneration. And it's, it's not just a theological... It's one of those... It sounds like it's a theological word only, but it's, it's a biblical word as well. You know, it's, it's, it's actually used in, in, the, uh, in the New Testament. Uh, Titus, the, the one I want to use is from Titus. Titus 3.5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration the washing of regeneration and uh, renewal of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit renews he washes he regenerates and what's that mean? it's just like it sounds generation like generation born ones a generation is a people who are born about the same time right at the same time in, in history they're born that's a generation so and re again it just means born again born again and so the Holy Spirit. And what are we talking about? The impartation of spiritual life. You know that God imparts to us. He gives us a spiritual life. And you may, you remember. You know uh, Jesus. This is Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus. This is this is it. John chapter three. And I want to read some some verses from here. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, there it is, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless but one is born of water, another physically, in other words, physically, and the Spirit, this regeneration of the Holy Spirit, this work that the Holy Spirit does in all who believe, uh, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, That right, there's another reason why I think this born of water refers to physical birth, you know, our birth into this world. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear that sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit imparts to all who believe spiritual life. Before that, we were dead to God. We were dead. We were we had no we we had no interest in God. We had no categories. We, we couldn't even think about we couldn't think about God beyond as a, just as a concept wasn't a person to us he, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't be unless unless god made us alive ephesians ephesians chapter 2 and you were dead in trespasses and sins because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. No one. So here's why this is first as well. No one cares about or values nearness to Jesus without having been made alive to God. If you want to be closer to the Lord than what you are, it's because you have been quickened spiritually. You've been made alive to God and you want more. You want more of Him. You want to know Him better you you value that nobody nobody gets gets you know worship without having been born from above and that's another way you could think of John chapter three born from above nobody understand no nobody sees the appeal of of worship apart from that uh, no one if if you have a sense, uh, that you are fed by the word of God. You know, even when your own study, when you hear it taught, when you hear it taught rightly, and it feeds your soul. Why does it seem to feed your soul? Because you have been made alive in Christ. You've been, It's been quickened in you. It's food to you. Yet to those who have not been born again, not been regenerate, if not the, wor- the, the work of the Holy Spirit has not been that work of the Holy Spirit has not been done in their lives. They don't see the point of what. Why would anybody dive in this way into this you know two thousand year old book or thereabouts? You know. Why why would anybody? It's so strange. But you have a sense if you are in Christ, you it feeds you, it nourishes you somehow. Uh, No one belongs for the Lord to return except those who have been made alive to God in this work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, No one loves the Lord without having been given the capacity to love the Lord. Given the desire, we we're, we're born. The Holy Spirit causes us, he imparts spiritual life to us. And so, so we talk about born again. You think, well, you know, he's talking about some sort of mountaintop experience, of you know, some sort of lightheaded, you know, experience where you're lightheaded and you're giddy and you lose, you know, whatever it might be, some euphoric kind of a thing. No, I'm talking about something that is true of every single believer in Christ. They wouldn't believe a believer in Christ unless they'd been born again. Unless they'd been imparted unless God had re- imparted spiritual life to them. And you can make this reasonable case. You know, you talk about order of something called order of salvation theology, but you know, you can make a good, strong case that unless. God quickens us in this way. We don't even have the capacity to believe. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. That you wanted to be here today. That you want to worship God. That you want to be closer. That you want to pursue uh, Christ. You want to pursue the holiness without which, the New Testament says, without which anyone will see the Lord that you want to please him that's from god and that's the work of the holy spirit in your life if you if it's been done and of course we can argue conversely that if it, if it, 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 apart from this no one is in christ if he hasn't imparted spiritual life to you, then you're not alive toward God. But if you, if you, if you genuinely believe and trust in Christ, this is, some, this is something that's true of you. It's true of you. Secondly, the Holy Spirit makes his abode in us. We talked about I think Paul mentioned, you used the word in the, in his in his prayer on our behalf that we prayed with him. The indwelling Holy Spirit. uh, You use the word indwelling. The Holy Spirit makes his abode in us. This is in the promise, John when Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit, John chapter fourteen. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. In you. He takes up residence. It's a very mysterious thing, but, it's, but here it is. He takes up residence in you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, all the time. So we're not in a position of having to seek the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, right? Ever, ever. That's not our position. Holy Spirit, come into my life. That's not a prayer you need to pray. Because he is in you. Now, Paul Paul told the Corinthian believers, you know, the, or the believers at the church in Corinth. This is First Corinthians six. And of course, you know one of the values that you know if you find the verse in Corinthians, if you find a truth that applies generally to them, it applies to you. You, you can be rest assured because Corinth is like the the worst church you can imagine, you know, and it's the worst. And Christians doing some of the most uh, you know if you actually knew some of the you know if you look in the kind of back engineer uh, first corinthians and think about being in that church and you know and some of those people are suing each other and and uh, sexual sin and and uh, tolerance proud tolerance of sexual you know all these things going on people getting drunk at church event, you know you think oh my goodness you know if i knew that person you'd think there's no way that that's a christian there's no way that's a genuine believer and if, so if you find Paul writing to these people, the, you know, the church at Corinth, and says something that's generally true about them, you think, well, that's got to be true of me. That's, we're not talking about a two-tiered Christianity here. Well, he says, and this is in Paul's argument about why they should treat their body as a, as a holy vessel. He says, he says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple? of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. He doesn't tell them to be, you know, let's put it this way. He doesn't tell these misbehaving believers, saying, you know what you all need? You obviously don't have the Holy Spirit in you 24 hours a day, seven days. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you, or else you wouldn't be doing these things. He says, don't. He argues the other way. He says he argues from the fact of indwelling to how they should behave. We have the Holy Spirit. The the Spirit dwells in us all all the time when you think about the disciples you think it's to your advantage that i go away they did have times when that when jesus was away right and they didn't do particularly well sometimes when jesus is away they fall apart right sometimes but we have the holy spirit we have god's spirit in us all the time and what's he do what does the holy spirit do in us he's just hanging out our, our, our doctrine, our, our statement of faith says in part about the Holy Spirit this, that he indwells, illuminates, guides, equips, and empowers believers for Christ-like living and service. I, you know, when I looked at that this week. You, you kind of summarize that by saying he, that the Holy Spirit in us works for our sanctification. In other words, works to make us more free from sin, more like Jesus, more like Christ in our character, in our works, in our deeds, in our thoughts, in our actions. More like the saint that the New Testament calls us over again and again and again, a holy one of God. So he convicts convicts of sin which drives us to repentance drives us to confession he, you've had that experience right of this of sin of being convicted of just being overburdened with a sense of something you've done said thought that's wrong and has to be made right before god through excuse me through confession through repentance How'd that happen? It's the Spirit within you. He illuminates you. You've had this experience of the scripture reading the scripture and sometimes it just it jumps off the page. It's like this is for you to have read right now. Or a sermon that seemed—it seems so intended for you—is almost embarrassing to sit there. I think it must be clear to everyone else too. That's the spirit. That's the work of the Spirit in you. Do you ever find spiritual strength to do something? or to get through something beyond your natural abilities. How did I do how did I get through that? It was the spirit. <laughs> he he produces his well, in this one passage it calls them fruits, but produce in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the work of the Spirit, indwelling. He even, you know, there there are even these things that are hard to put in a in a category but they are certainly related to the indwelling Holy Spirit. Listen to this one, Romans chapter, um, Romans chapter 8. This is 14, if you write the notation down or the address. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For, if you, do, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you bow your, eye, bow your head and close your eyes in prayer, and you have a sense you're coming before your heavenly Father. I mean, you don't think God is a concept, right? It's not a con- no. He's a person to you, and, He's, and you're coming. You have a sense of coming before your Father who loves you. Even if you can't understand how what you're going through now could be, you know, is compatible with that. You come before where does that come from? It's the Spirit. Likewise, same chapter. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That that's an amazing thing, isn't it? that we could be praying and the Holy Spirit says, Father, let me tell you what he really needs. (laughs) Let me tell you what he really... How does he know? He lives with you. (laughs) He lives in you. He's made his abode in you. And he's always there. He's always there to do what he does because he is in you. You are his address. Third, he makes us a part of Christ's body, uh, the church, by something the Bible calls baptism. Baptism with or by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 is the the reference you want for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 13. Hmm. I'll well, back up for just a little for context of verse 12. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. We were baptized into one you know that baptism that it's become a almost exclusively a religious word right baptism but it had really in the new testament times it had a, it, it, it we were closer to a, sec, a kind of a, a secular usage of it it just means to place into to put under the influence of it's the word they would use when they're bapt when they are when they are dying a piece of cloth and they would they would put the cloth into the dye. You know, they'd submerge it. Really, the meaning of the word is one of the reasons we immerse. When we baptize, we immerse. We don't sprinkle, we don't pour. The person getting baptized gets all wet all over because, it, because of the meaning of the word, to place into. So this, this we were all baptized into one body. It's not referring to water, but it's, it's, it's a spiritual act by which the Holy Spirit makes us a part of the body of christ we're intrinsically a part of it constitutionally a part of it we don't we don't become you can join a church you can join a church after say well i want to make this body my church this my family you know but but in terms of the but the church itself the body of christ you know, we, we try to see that anyone who joins here, that's why we ask questions. You know, when did you tell us about your relationship with Christ? Because only those who, sh- only those should be eligible for membership in the church who have already been made a part of the church, the church, the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now, now there are some, and I'm, I'm just going to take a, just a, I'm just going to deal with this in such a cursory manner. It's not going to be satisfying, especially if you don't agree with me on this. But there are some who who uh, connect this baptism of the Holy Spirit to baptism by the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit with with uh, speaking in tongues. Because you can look in Acts and say, this is what happened. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in, in tongues. You know, they, they, whatever that is, whatever that is. But here's the proof. And so they would say that, therefore, you know, there's some sort of two-tiered thing where you, yes, you become a Christian, and then you are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and that's evidenced by speaking in tongues, and it's always evidenced by speaking in tongues. Here's why I don't think this, that's right, and it's, it's here in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12:13 says to these Corinthians generally, these believers generally, we were all baptized by one Spirit into the body of Christ, Right? Later on, same chapter, not all speak in tongues, do they? That, that's that's 12:30. So we were all all these Corinthian believers were were made a part of the body of Christ, baptized by with in the Holy Spirit, made a part of the body, but not all speak in tongues. So that's not those are two different categories. It's so so that is that's not so. You. Just from what I know or what I suspect, probably haven't spoken in tongues. But if you trust Christ, if you believe in Christ, you have been made a part of Christ's body in this, what the 1 Corinthians 12, Paul calls, you were baptized into it. You've been placed into it, made a part of it. And just before we go on, those who... There are those who kind of try to live the Christian life as if that weren't so. That they haven't been made a part of the body. And see everything in terms of uh, verticality, you know. Just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Some of those folks, it's the only church that's acceptable is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and themselves. But no matter how they arrive there, Oh, you leave a lot on the table by saying, I'm not going to really do that. That part of it's not so much of my Christianity. I go to church, but it's to be fed, you know. It's not, I don't really see my, the corporateness of it. Even though, it seems to me about half the New Testament is hard to obey apart from being a part of a, Fellowship of believers, you know, love one another, forgive one another, forbear one another, serve one another, give greater honor to the less honorable, you know, parts, etc. But what a benefit it is, what a benefit it is to be part of this thing called the church. Church. You know, we are we are Christ to each other, aren't we? We really are Christ to each other. Have people rejoice with you when you rejoice? Weep with you when you weep. Bear the burdens with one another. know we cast all our cares on him because he cares for us you know sometimes how do we know he how do we know he cares for us you know a lot of times he shows us through the church that he cares for us it's not the and finally the holy spirit seals us for the day of redemption Ephesians chapter 1, in him, you also, in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory, the Holy Spirit is the seal, and the Holy Spirit does the sealing. And and what's the image there? The image, of course, is is uh, like a a letter in ancient times would have a wax seal on it. And then the you know if a king sent a letter, you know he'd put his ring in it, and this is sent by him. It's not to be tampered with. And when it gets to where it's going. When it gets to where it's going, that that seal is there. It shouldn't be broken, right? Can't be broken. In other words, it's the guarantee that this is going to get where it's going. You know, we have something like that. I used to work for a living, you know, and and, uh, and you had occasion to see uh, uh, shipments being made out. Well, you know, and they'd load everything on the back of a truck and latch it down and put a seal on it, Right? And the seal would have a number on it, probably, and it would have, you know, and it would get to where, it, when it got to where it was going, that seal was there as the guarantee that everything that got loaded in the truck is on the truck, right? And so this, and so here, in other words, it is a guarantee that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that you're going to get where you're going. That you're going to make it through to the end. That you're going to, yes, when you close your eyes for the last time in this world, you open them up in the presence of the Lord Jesus. That this, uh, this battle against sin will be won. W-O-N. You'll be victorious in it. You will get to perfect Christ-likeness. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Praise be to God. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Death will be defeated. Overcome. Undone. Full freedom from the power and presence of sin and full unhindered and there's kind of come full circle here with say how can it be to our advantage that you go away lord full unhindered face-to-face fellowship with jesus i brought i brought this out today i didn't even this is, this is in my office. It's been in my office forever. A long time anyway. I'll tell you how long. It's a bottle. looks like a, I don't know, kind of looks like a um, one-a-day vitamin bottle to me. It's old. It's glass. Do they still do they have any glass bottles? Or anything? It's glass. When I was in Bible college, I had a <coughs> living in a dormitory, I had I had one of two rooms in the dormitory. I actually had a room. My room was in the girls' dormitory. Can you believe you remember that, Robin? She does, she remembers it very well. My room was in the girl for a lot of that time. And my room was in the girls' dormitory. But I had, and they had. I guess they had more guys than girls, or something. But they walled off. There were two rooms in the that they walled off from the rest of it. And I had an exter- I had an outdoor entrance very close to my door. But I would walk out in the evenings. And I would walk out, and um, and there was a, a walk I took for a while. You know, you get in and out of these habits, but I had a walk that I took in the evenings, after dark usually. Um, and it was across the ball fields and down a dirt road, a pretty long way. And then there would be a dirt road to the right that I'd take over to some, it's probably all built up now, because there was some building going on at the time, and then... And there was like this dirty little pond there toward the end of it. But I'd just circle around that and walk back. But I would pray. I would pray while I was walking. And I would, um, and I would not all the time, but a lot of times I'd pick up a stone. I'd just pick up a, a little pebble. And there, when I got out to the ball fields right on the road, I'd pick one out and I would just, I'd kind of toss it in my hand. I'd have it in my hand, you know, and... Uh, and I just would have it in my hand and turn it, just fiddle, just nervous, nervous energy, I guess. But I would fiddle with it and I'd have it in my hand and roll it around in my hand while I'm praying. And when I get back to the rooms, so a lot of times, I, a lot of times I'd throw it. I'd get to the, it's like Amen, you know. I'd throw it, I'd th- throw it off to the side. But sometimes I'd, I'd have it in my hand when I came in and I'd just drop it in the, in this, in this bottle. Because it was. Uh, I don't know, it just seemed like the time with the Lord was particularly sweet, that he's particularly close. Uh, It was a particularly precious time. And so you think, well, there's not very many pebbles in there. Did you pray all that much? You know, there's not that... No, I I didn't. You know, a lot of times I'd throw it away and sometimes I'd drop... Sometimes I'd grab one out of here before I left and, and it's like, gee whiz, he's like beads or something you know he pastor he's about uh he's a string away from going catholic on us you know he's <laughs> but it's just all of those you know those times and and so what am i doing with this bottle is it is i just got out of my desk drawer i didn't know if it'd be in there it's just all the times we moved and every time we you know, we'd, we've moved. We've moved a lot. Moved from Texas to here, and we've changed. You know, we've changed our lived in Missouri and stuff, and um, going through things. And I just think, I don't know. I don't. Want, I don't want to throw it away. You know, what I mean? <laughs> and have Instead, I threw it in a drawer. You know, threw it in a drawer, and I say, I don't want to throw that away. Those are some. Those are some memories there. You know, and so what? Paul says, and I think he's talking about the experience of fellowship, when he's nearing the end of his life and he knows it. Paul says, hey, I'd rather go on and be with Jesus, for that's far better. Right? So you have that, but What is it that made, sure, you can't deny what he says. It'll be better. But what made those times so sweet, so special? What made the Lord feel so close? What makes me care about being close to the Lord? Seeking his face, looking forward to seeing him. The Spirit, the Spirit God gave me. The Holy Spirit that Jesus asked for to be given to me and to you. That caused me to be born again to a living hope. That gave me an appetite for things like Him and His Word. And pleasing him and being with him. That made me a part of his of his body, the church. And that seals me for the day of redemption. So even though Paul says it'll be better, we can see where Jesus is coming from. He says it's to your advantage. <laughs> that I go away. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. If you don't have it, all of that can be yours. All of it can be yours. And it's by accepting Jesus. By saying yes to God's offer of salvation by his grace alone his unmerited favor alone through faith alone not not an offer of if you try hard maybe you'll make it no except what's been done on your behalf by Christ already he quickened you he makes his abode in you. He makes you a part of his body. He tickets you. He seals you for the day of redemption so that you know you're going to get where, he, where you're going. Don't leave home without it, right? <laughs> Don't leave home without it. Father, thank you for these great and precious promises. thank you for your spirit who caused us to be born again, who lives in us, who works so graciously and persistently and without fail for our sanctification, who makes us a part of his body, the church, and who seals us for the day of redemption when Everything that is promised us in Christ will, come, will, will be here in our present possession. We look forward to it, Lord. We pray for any outside the faith, outside of Christ, without reason for hope in this world or any other, that they would be moved to want to know you. And to accept your free gift of salvation through faith in Christ. We pray that they would. And we ask your blessing in these ways in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.